Welcome back to Compliments to the Chef. This is Nancy. I'm Betts. And we are watching season six, episode four today. Uh, we are in Las Vegas, sunny Las Vegas, Nevada. And boy, do we have a lot to cover. A lot to cover. And thank God uh, we don't have any leftovers to reheat. We ate it all up, left no crumbs. No facts to uh, confirm or deny today, so let's just get right into it. Which might mean that we're getting more mature. We're not making, like, brazen uh, accusations anymore. I wouldn't be so quick to say that, but (laughs) (laughs) we'll see. We'll see what episode five has in store. Um, all right, so episode four, Nancy, quick fire reactions. What's your take? So this is a, a very different flavor of Top Chef episodes today than we've seen this season so far. This is a day about technique, classical cooking, and essentially this episode I think exemplifies what I love so much about Top Chef, which is it's a real powerhouse. It is a chef. It is a show for elite chefs. It's not chopped. It's not like sort of anyone can do this. It is a show about people at the top of their game who could, in theory, be cooking for an elite panel of judges. And this is the type of episode that the chef testants dream about being on, where they have this incredible lineup of chefs that they get to impress. And it's this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that would only be available by going on Top Chef. I mean, totally. I had the same thought. I'm like, this is a, a judges panel that is typically reserved for like a finale. Like they really pulled out a lot of stars for this episode. Um, I'll get into a little bit of, of who we have around the judges table today. But uh, I had the same thought. I also thought, uh, I believe this is the first episode where we've gone really deep and focused on a specific cuisine. So we have French cuisine. I think a lot of these chefs like come up, you have folks coming up through Le Cordon Bleu. We actually have a actual French chef in Matin. So it's a lot of the way that these chefs were trained. Um, And so that's what I think makes the challenge so fun because, you know, at the end of the day, it's these are sauces and proteins that they should be familiar with. They should have uh, come across in their career. We'll see how that goes for them. But um, but yeah, let's let's dive in. Let's start episode recap. Um, I love it. So our quick fire, we walk into um, Daniel Balud's restaurant. Daniel Balud, incredibly acclaimed chef. We can get more on him later. Yeah, and we're actually at the Wynn Hotel today. So this is David Guetta. This is David Guetta pool party territory. So not to make that a thing, but like... We knew we'd find it eventually. We, we would get there eventually. All it's a small roads town. lead to the David Guetta pool party at the Wynn Hotel and Resort. Um, but yeah, so we're at the Wynn Hotel. We're in Daniel Balud's restaurant. And who is standing there for the quick fire but Daniel Balud and Tom Colicchio. No Padma this time. I do like that um, whenever it's like a very important shift, Tom is like, I got this, Padma. I think that... <laughs> Don't worry. Yeah, we're going to need to like look into the relationship between Tom and Padma. Because I can't tell if it's good neutral if they're right. co-workers if they hate each other or if they love each other we're not seeing a ton of uh, i kind of clocked that too like padma's a little bit of a quieter presence so far this season um she's come out a few times with like you know some zingers or you know like then you shouldn't have put it on the plate but she's kind of flown a little bit more under the radar than i'm maybe remembering I think she wasn't as established in the food world at this point in yeah. time like I, I need to look up when she started doing like taste the nation and her cookbook and her autobiography mm-hmm. But um, leftovers for next time. But um, I do think that, like, she has come into her own voice as a culinary critic and expert 
in the over yeah. the course of the show. I think she was initially hired just as like a host. Yeah. You know? And she really, I think, has made an incredible career off of it. But anyway, uh, Tom Colicchio, Soul Patch and All, is there to welcome the chefs to their very first high stakes quick fire cha- challenge. Um, high stakes in a very different regard this time. We have the debut, the top chef debut of the high stakes quick fire where the bottom person goes home yep. for a quick fire. This just really launched this challenge into the stratosphere. We've never seen this before. It's a huge twist. Before this, high stakes meant $15,000. Yep. Now it means goodbye, bye-bye. Yeah, and you know they're working with an interesting protein in the form of escargot. So they get, uh, I believe, 30 minutes to prepare a dish using escargot. Um, you know, a lot of people are, uh, a lot of nerves are flying around the kitchen. I think they understand the stakes of this. Um, and some people are more comfortable cooking with this than others. Uh, we have some really interesting flavors coming out though. So, um, I, I honestly, I'm feeling like we need to start a yuzu counter because there's somebody every episode who's cooking with yuzu. I had the exact, I literally have in my notes, need a yuzu counter. Was this like the peak of yuzu? I I guess I didn't realize... And yuzu being vaguely Asian. Yes. You know, like it, thank you. I had the exact same thought. We're going to need to follow up on that. I'm a, yes. I made a note to just see like, wh- where where was you, like yuzu at in the cultural zeitgeist at the moment? <laughs> yes. Okay. The other thing I'll say is the second we walked into a French restaurant and I sort of got the sense this would be a French episode, my heart did flutter a bit for Matin. I know. A chef we haven't really seen much yet, but French guy, it's French week. I'm excited to see his performance. Um, and he clearly is sort of like a bit giddy as well, which I liked because we haven't really got to see him work yet. Yes. But um, um, Jen Carroll has a great line, which is, uh, whoever looked at a snail and decided to eat it had to be really fucking hungry. <laughs> I just, I love her. She works at one of the finest restaurants in the world and she's like, this is gross. I really just dig that attitude on her. I think it's really fun and very relatable. Yes. Even though she's really sort of rough around the edges, she is very relatable. Um, but let's get into the cooking. Um, we have another quick fire drama of mixed up pots and pans. Last week it was Preeti. This week it's Robin. And what does that mean for Robin? Well, uh, we didn't really hear too much about Robin, right? She's got the bagels and locks. Like there's always somebody that's like doing a, a riff on the bagels and locks. Always. And it's always like the one Jewish contestant. Um, we also had our second risotto of the season, lemon risotto. That was Lorraine. Um, we had a Caribbean escargot from Hector. Um, and let's see. We also got, I, I believe the baking counter is now at three. Yep. Baking counter is at three, but just wait till the end of the episode. Cause spoiler alert, it might go up. It might go up. <laughs> but yeah. So then, um, we have Ashley doing soup and salad as well. And then we have... Mike Isabella, a Crete Uzu broth, hmm. which apparently was good. Um, but then we have who ended up being uh, a very good contender in this challenge, Kevin, his fricassee, Echoes of the South, with bacon. With bacon. Hell yeah. Um, do we want to take a quick moment to stop at Eli and Mike's exchange in the kitchen? Yes. <laughs> so uh, Mike Isabella is this, you know, very loud mouth guy. And he works at Zaytinia, which is Jose Andres's Mediterranean concept restaurant in D.C., which now in the year 2024 exists in New York City. Fun fact. Um, but Mike says, I'm making a dish that's native to the island that I am from, Crete. 
And Eli has the line of the century, which was, Creed, I thought you were from fucking Jersey, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I really appreciated just knocking him down a peg on that one. Yeah, I think we'll, yeah, the, the Jersey of it all will certainly be a theme. Um, <laughs> so top and bottom for the quick fire. Top, we have uh, Mike I with his uh, island, Crete Island. <laughs> He's an island boy. <laughs> extravaganza. Um, Kevin and his bacon jam, and Jen and her yuzu. So again, we, we see the same people at the top. Um, no surprises. Honestly, not much to no. talk I mean, about there. Well, I will say, Kevin, this is, I think, his second uh, high-stakes quickfire win. Is it really? I think. We'll check we'll check on that. But. Well, that'll be a leftover for next time. Yeah. Um, but he definitely is a strong performer. We know that. His bacon jam. And I think it was, you know, a dish that was not a classic French dish. dish and he went home. And I always appreciate Daniel Balud on the show because he, despite being one of the best French chefs of his generation, he really is willing to get outside of that and appreciate other cuisines. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think some chefs, especially some of the ones who are around the table today, are way more buttoned up when it comes to French cuisine. They really think that everything else is beneath French cuisine, which is so French. I love it. I also love it. Interesting. (laughs) And they say interesting. 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 It's just a fun one. Okay, on the bottom of this challenge and therefore competing against each other to see who will be eliminated, we have Jessie, who really just bows her head. The look of defeat on her was really upsetting she knew that she's just been beat down uh more on that in a second we have ashley with her soup and salad and then robin with her bagel and locks and they are given the task by tom colicchio of go and make one amuse bouche amuse our bouche so much that you must stay mm-hmm. and they go in robin all over the place she's running around um ashley clearly feels like on tepid ground, she's a bit shaky, but she's got some stuff in her back pocket she can pull out. And Jessie actually seems very confident. She says she does an amuse every night in her restaurant. Yeah. And so she's got this one in the bag. So, you know, this is interesting. Like, you don't have a lot of time. What do they get? 20 minutes. You get 20 minutes to make one great bite. What are you making? For me, it's something acid forward. Okay, um, yeah. I... I feel embarrassed to say, like, it might be a ceviche. Oh, ceviche. <laughs> like, I knew might. that was about to come out. You know, I actually wonder if you don't even need more time for the for the fish to, like, To cure. Yeah. Like, for the leaven to penetrate it. Um, I, here, assuming that I am a technical chef with all of these skills in my back right. pocket, me as a home chef, I'm trying to think what I would make. Um, I make... <laughs> I don't know my chili but that's like a three day affair um, if I'm giving 20 minutes and I know I'm a really good chef um, oh no would I make a crudo too Maybe you could just get so a crudo is like you know the cop out of I would even go tartare you know it's like the the, the like landlubber so we're tartar, saying we but... wouldn't cook anything at all that's what we're saying <laughs> we just prep I'm so glad we had that talk um <laughs> But yeah, so, as it turns out, neither of us would uh, withstand a high stakes quick No, I don't think we make it to episode four. Um, and and uh, neither does Jessie. She ends up going home for her quail egg. You know, Tom says good idea. Por- proportions are kind of off. 
Um, and this, you know what? The, the, the note that I had here is like, we've seen Ashley now on the bottom a few times. I don't know why, but I can't get it out of my head that like, Ashley's kind of the one person I don't think deserves to be down there. Yes, I feel the same way, but she keeps landing there. Right, right. Like something is blocking her. So like to this, you know, to our early predictions, um, I actually may, you know, I said it was Ash. Like, who's going to be the person that, like, midway through realizes, like, I have to start cooking my food? Yes. Is it going to be Ashley? I, I Maybe I should have gone with that one. But, yeah, that's that's definitely been a theme in my mind. Yes. And the one thing I'll say is, even though Jesse was on the bottom just as much as Preeti, I am sad to see Jesse go. Because yeah. I think she really felt the losses in a way that Preeti didn't. Sorry, I need to stop ragging on her. Like, I'm I'm putting a moratorium on Preeti. Yeah. But um, Jessie, the thing that really hurt my heart was when she said, um, I just, the thing I want people to know is that I don't suck this bad. <laughs> Which, like, you know, we've all had jobs or circumstances where you just felt like you couldn't show what you do best. Right. And you don't want people to think that you think that's a, acceptable. Right, That's right. what you want people to know. Like, I know this wasn't a good performance, and it's really important that people know that you have standards. Yes. Um, and I just, I really felt that in her. So I wasn't sad to see her go because she was a bottom performer, but I was sad that she had to feel that defeat. Totally agree. Because I felt as though she really felt it. Well, so a bunch of sad stuff. Uh, sorry, goodbye, Jesse. Um, but, but let's turn it around, baby, because boy, do we have a dog and pony show for you, Chef Testins. We sure do. Uh, we also have our first kind of like draw knives of the season, I think, right? <gasps> okay, yes. I have this in my notes. Knife draw, first of the season. Love it. I love a knife draw. I think it's one of the cleverest gimmicks on Top Chef. Totally agree. I think this was the perfect uh, utilization of it too, like a, sh- a sauce pairing and a protein pairing. Yes, and the thing is, they were all pulling knives out, and like it wasn't. They were starting to put the pieces together, but it wasn't clear yet. Sometimes the knife draw is like first choice, second choice. Yep. It's very obvious what's about to be asked of them, but this there was still some mystery. It's just like it. the anticipation of a knife draw. Oh my god, it's so sweet. I love it. Um, and so yes, we have this challenge. Uh, chefs are either pulling a classic French sauce or a popular French protein out on their knife, uh, knives, um, and then they need to create a six-course meal using that, that sauce and protein paired um, and to serve at the table of some of the best, well, at the time, living uh, French restaurateurs, fresh, French chefs. Um, we have Daniel Bouloud, who we met in the quick fire. We have Hubert uh, Keller. We have Jean Joho. We have Laurent Torandel. And we have sort of like the man of the hour, uh, Joel Robuchon. Um, you know, kind of to quickly cover a lot of these uh, guys' accolades. So, you know, starting with uh, Robuchon, they mentioned this chef of the century. Uh, what an insane an insane qualification like okay sure (laughs) got it and like when does that century reset oh my god yeah because this is 2009 and they said he won it last year right so was this chef of the 20th century 21st century i guess we'll have to live another century to find out we will um he was also voted um and pardon my French, the meilleur ouvrier de France, which roughly translates to the best worker of France. So like the <laughs> Not best... Not saying much <laughs> with Frenchmen. They don't like to work. So there's probably like five five other, you know, finalists, but <laughs> I just love that award. Like, okay. The French attitude towards work ethic 
is to me the thing I'm most envious of in That's French why culture. all the recipes take so long. Oh, um, yeah, because they're just like, oh, I'll go out for a cigarette for a while. <laughs> okay, so I want you to guess how many uh, Michelin stars... Combined? Uh, no. Oh. Just just Joel Robuchon has uh, accumulated, had accumulated in his life. He actually passed away in 2018. 10. 32. What? 32? 32 Michelin stars, yes. The most of any chef in the world. So That's insane i guess the chef of the century thing and the best worker of france really are earned um but that's not to say that these other chefs have not earned uh their fair share um you know laurent torrendel we didn't hear a lot from him this episode no, we but did not. um he's uh won a michelin star for his restaurant blt fish we have jean joho um and hubert keller actually both came out of strasbourg um, they're both uh, Alsatian, French chefs. Um, Jean Joho, if you've ever been to Vegas or have seen a photo of Vegas, uh, is actually the chef and proprietor of the Eiffel Tower restaurant. Very iconic. Okay. They say there's another one in Paris. But... Who knows? There's also a Parthenon in Greece, but we went to the one in Nashville anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, Danielle Bouloud, who I hope we get more FaceTime with, best known for his restaurant, Danielle. Um, it should also be noted that Hubert Keller was the host of the very first quick fire in Top Chef history. Season one, episode one oh was at his restaurant Fleur de Lis in uh, San Francisco, which was an iconic restaurant. Um, and he hosted the very first quick fire. Love to see that. A little Top Chef history. That is fun. So, um, so yeah. And then of course we see, you know, Kevin, uh, as the winner of the quick fire gets the kind of rare honor of really not having to cook. Instead, he's a guest at that table. And the, the first thought I had is I actually can't think of a funnier chef I would put at that table than Kevin. (laughs) He, he's obviously an incredible chef and very talented. And also I think has refinement, but he is the last person on that list who would ever be at that table. By the way, a table that Tom said, quote, I'm nervous to eat with them, let alone cook for them. Yes. And this is Tom Colicchio. So I think it is just, I bet Kevin said maybe five words at the whole dinner. He's also seated across from Joel Rubichon, who does not speak a word of English. Yes. And Kevin does not speak a word of French. So <laughs> the whole thing is just hilarious. But- I honestly think that I would rather have cooked than sit at the table you know i, <laughs> I think kevin feels that way too i it's so i'd rather cook with immunity awkward. on this one than sit at that table yes and then when they were going around being like you hear all the judges and kevin your friend kevin. <laughs> yes he, he has no sort of like byline under his chiron like yeah. just kevin just kevin but i really i love kevin i'm his number one fan i was very happy to see him get this opportunity it was very sweet um and also just like he got to go take a nap that day. Yeah. How nice. Okay, so let's get to the pairings. We have um, Jen, Carol, and Mike Voltaggio making um, rabbit with a sauce-chartouse. I, I don't know how to pronounce uh, it. Chasseur. Thank you, chasseur. Um, then we have um, Eli and Lorene doing the classic lobster and sauce American. Yes. We um, have Ashley and Mateen doing a poussin velouté, which is a very classic French dish. Honestly, one of my favorites. Divine. Mike, I, and Brian doing trout bernays, which really does not sound appealing to me. 
Anything that is similar to a hollandaise on a fish, fish? I'm not going to gravitate towards. I agree. Towards. That really sort of turned my stomach to think yeah. about it. Then we have Hector and Ash doing a steak au poivre, which is... Bits and I love a steak au poivre. Yes, I would say that that would be the Chateaubriand and the and the peppercorn sauce would be my pairing of choice here. Famously, we had an entire meal of steak frites once by accident by ordering uh, steak tartare and french fries to start and then... Steak free. <laughs> and we liked it both ways. And we had the meat sweats. Uh, we have Ron and Robin doing frog legs in a brown butter munier. And then we have, oh, and that's everyone, I believe. That's it. Okay. So let's run through who performed well in this challenge. Um, well, I think, you know, surprisingly, um, maybe the, the pairing that we were the most kind of like tepid on, the trout and Bernays. Uh, Brian Voltaggio, Mike I, um, they did really well. They kind of, you know, I think Mike really took Brian's lead. Brian felt very strongly about, like, let's do the deconstructed approach, the, like, I do a non-egg Bernays in my restaurant. Let's use that as sort of, like, the, the, the template. Um, and, you know, the, the chef, excuse me, the chef's judges loved it too. Um, you know, I think it was like one of those plates that was really fun. You got to kind of like reconstruct the yep. deconstructed sauce. So they're, you know, dragging things through on the plate. Simple, sophisticated, well executed. I think those are the words that you're looking to hear when you are cooking for a panel of chef, uh, French chefs. Uh-huh. And they got all three. Yep. Um, I will say we have yet another instance of Mike Isabella riding on the coattails of the brothers yes. Voltage. This guy is a clinger on. Once he's again, he's the high school kid who brings the alcohol, but like is very annoying to deal with. And no one wants to hang out with him, but you give him the pity invite. That is Mike Isabella to a T. God, yes. he sort of grinds my gears. But you know what? He did make, I will say to his credit, he made the sauce. So he obviously has skill. He just, his attitude is very awesome. It's not when he shines though it's typically not because of his own no, creative never, direction. No. Never. Um so then let's see we have Frog Legs and Meunier that was Ron and Robin. Um it was fine. Like I think there were maybe the breading on the frog legs wasn't great, but they sort of got off unscathed. Yeah. Um no major mistakes there. Very mid. I think this is like one of the dishes that came out that really did a good job of like uh, illustrating what I've observed, which is you have these really star level chefs, especially like French chefs. I'm sometimes very shocked about how complimentary or or like uh, how much they demure on giving like critical feedback. They're very much like, oh, it was very creative. You know, maybe the, they the taste tried. of the frog leg got lost, but they typically try to keep it neutral or positive. Or if they're going to be negative, it's very flowery and then like in a really roundabout way. Yes. Well, um, I think it's because, you know, in their own kitchen, they are probably very hard on their chefs. Right. Because, you know, they are accountable for the dish and that's why they get these reputations for being very... Um, hot-headed. Yeah. But, uh, you know, when they're just judging other anyone's food, I think they understand that these people are not executive chefs. Most of them, like, don't have their own restaurants yet. So they, they know what they're dealing with. Um, oh, the other top-performing dish of the night is Jen and Mike Voltaggio, mm-hmm. who this is the pair to be. I don't care what Mike Isabella says. These two are the best of the season. Yes. And I love working with them together because you can tell there's a real respect there between the two of them, which I really appreciate. Mike had that really funny joke about like, you know, oh, I was paired with Jen. I was scared she was going to outcook me. Yeah. Just like really nice way to treat a partner. Yeah. 
um, as opposed to like the way Mike treats his partner, which is like my meal ticket. I, I totally agree. Um, more on this kind of plate. I have I've, I've never come across a sauce chausseur. So we have mushrooms, tomato, white wine, and demi. Crazy combination. I've never heard of that. I'll have to keep my eyes peeled. It sounds great. Um, the tomatoes, I think, is kind of the the yeah the verb in that. Agreed. Just a very. I've never had it. Right. So um, and and especially <coughs> with rabbit, like tomatoes and rabbit. That's interesting. Oh um, yeah. But, okay, so other things, and then there's a brief um, intermission in the episode, so we will have a brief intermission now, to celebrate Mateen's 29th birthday. My goodness. Oh my goodness. This Frenchman got so drunk, he was taking off his pants, he had the little red uh, underwear on, the way Troy Savon does in that music video, <laughs> and he had, uh, he like stumbled into the hot tub with his mic pack on, he, imagine cooking that hung over the next I, day. No, can't even. And it clearly showed on the plate. Let's be real. Yeah. I, you know what? I didn't even clock that. That's so true. His whole performance. I mean, look, when you have the French guy doing the French challenge, you know it's going one of two yes. ways. It's never neutral. It's always either their time to shine or Turns out they're really not made of what you think they're made of. No. And that was kind of, unfortunately, the way it went today. I think he maybe got a little bit too much in his head making that velouté. Uh-huh. So he's kind of, you know, turning down a lot of the ideas Ashley's bringing to the table. Whether or not they would have been the best ideas, who knows. Um, we didn't see that episode. But um, we have a surprise entry to the bacon counter, which is Mateen. That was a surprise. I was not expecting that. Brings that brings our bacon counter to four. Yeah. So we were averaging a one an one episode. Bacon we an actually episode. got two this episode. So um so yeah, so unfortunately it didn't really work well. The the bacon kinda overpowered the velouté. Um one of my favorite moments we see Danielle Balud is like turning his spoon up up and over. I wasn't sure what exactly he was. He looks perplexed. For, yeah. Maybe it was broken. I don't know. I yeah. mean when it's broken. I, I think well the the fat and the rest of it separate. Got it. Um but yeah, the, the judges certainly were not fans of this dish. Um, also, kind of on the bottom side of things, we had Hector and Ash with the Chateaubriand and the Eau Poivre. Um, that was poorly cut. So I think this is, again, like an example of when we see poor yep. technique or just poor treatment of a protein is never going to turn out well for you. Mm-hmm. Um, unevenly cooked. They didn't let that meat rest long enough. Bled out all over the plate. And I think, you know... It was a little bit of a dominoes falling. It, they had to have that rest for too long. There wasn't enough time to sauce properly. And the sauce, I think, just got fully absorbed, like, into the, like, wilted greens and the, you know, running steak juice. So Yeah, it, it unfortunately was not good. And it is unfortunate for us because this is our favorite dish as a friend. Uh, we just really enjoy a nice steak frit out on the town. Um, very quickly want to mention that I did notice that Eli and Lorene at Whole Foods were shopping for truffle oil, which I gave an audible, ugh, which I feel like truffle oil <laughs> in this day and age is largely seen as like gross and artificial and like a lot of chefs, I think Gail Simmons herself has a whole tirade against truffle oil being like... Save it for leftovers. Drop it in. <laughs> I'm going to find the person who has the tirade against truffle oil. But um, it was just funny to me that they were like, oh, we'll buy truffle oil. Um, of course, they probably don't have the budget for real truffles. 
Um, I'm not going to knock it. They're professional chefs. I just thought it was funny uh, to see that 2009 callback. All right. So we had really fun uh just meal. It was a feast for the eyes. We had some fun commentary, some All bilingual commentary. Wait, the other thing I wanted to mention quickly was imagine being the um, Joel Robichon's translator who got to eat the meal as well. Imagine Such being the chefs deal. having to cook a plate for this guy who's just a translator. It's perfect. You have Kevin and translator. Like, well, I don't even know if he had a name. Yes. But okay, let's talk about how the judging went down. So on the top, we have Jen, Mike, V, and then Brian, Mike, I. Um, with Brian taking home the win. He's got another one up on his brother. Another one. You could see Michael Voltaggio was pissed. a bit pissed. Ooh. He was pissed. But I think it was very well-deserved. And, of course, Mike Isabella thinks that he's hot shit, but he's truly yes. just a hanger-on. Yeah. Well, it was also fun to see Brian cook fish. I know he has cooked fish the last time. I think he undercooked it yes. in, in last week's yes. Quickfire. Um, so uh, totally, uh, they, judges say Robuchon was a huge fan. Um, they gave, uh, Mike, I, one kind of decent thing he did was give Brian credit for the plating, yes. which the judges loved. Yes, he did. And he did not take credit for the idea. No. Uh, which, you know. Which, cause he doesn't have cause any. Cause he doesn't have any. <laughs> but then on the bottom, we have, um, Mateen and Ashley and uh, I believe Hector and Ash. Ash. Uh, with, as we said, Hector unfortunately uh, poorly cooked the protein and didn't cut it and treat it properly, right. which, again, that's a basic skill and ends up going home for it. I kind of love that Danielle Boulud like really timed it out too. It's like he's like, yeah. it takes thirty minutes to cook this. It takes an hour to cook yes, that. Yes, I love that. And too. it's true. Like it's kind of like, what are you guys doing in there with these foundational building yeah. blocks? And the thing is, they didn't try to do anything interesting with it. They didn't deconstruct it the way Brian and Mike I did. Right. So if they had deconstructed the apoiv or whatever, then there would be a little more leeway for things not being yeah. perfect. But because they went with a very traditional preparation to use your words, nowhere to hide. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, you know, eventually Hector went home. I do think we should just talk a little bit about Ashley and Mateen's judges' table sort of disagreement. Yeah. I do think Mateen definitely took the lead on this dish, perhaps with a bit of hubris. We saw Ashley say something about asparagus, and we saw Mateen turn that idea down. Yep. We saw Mateen say, I'm going to do bacon. It's good. There's so many ways to make velouté. I'm going to do it with bacon. And... You know, unfortunately, those decisions yeah. were really poor and showed poor judgment. I don't blame Ashley I for kind of wanting to pass the blame. I don't think she did it in an effective or... Uh, she didn't do it in a way that made her look good. I... Well, I don't know that I... Well, she did it by omission. Like, yes. I don't... She didn't really get out ahead of it. She sort of, like, let it hang in the air. And whether whether that's how Tom, like, kind of intuited what had gone down or whether you know someone behind the scenes told him like he certainly seemed to clock it yep. so it was there was no question that like yes Mateen was sort of like the creative driver of that dish yeah um but we also didn't even talk about her ravioli which I think was oh, poor yeah. it was the pasta looked thick it yeah. looked a bit misshapen so she definitely contributed to the downfall the that plating dish. was odd but I do think that Hector was the right person to go home for this challenge yeah totally um no yeah. I, I completely agree with that I think uh you know this is again like what you get into with pair team challenges it's yep. like if you don't say something it's a it's a gamble right like if you say something and then you end up being the one that like had the strong point of view and then it 
doesn't turn out well, then yep. you're gone. So but that's the risk of leadership. Yeah. And that is what we all take on in our daily lives, don't we? Don't we? <laughs> we do. So so anyways, Hector goes, he hacked the meat and he got axed for it. Um he packed his knives and he went. Um So let's let me ask you this, Bits. Hector and Ash's steak au poivre. Would you eat that? I would eat that. I would eat that. I, there's too. no reality where I'm turning bad. down like yeah, like a filet mignon like <laughs> Because it was like, no, it looked perfectly delicious. I'm sure like that's probably the quality that I typically have. When yeah, I'm, it was when technically flawed, but I don't care. It looked like no, a good piece of meat. And I will say filet mignon, not my favorite cut. It's not mm. fatty. So I like a nice New York strip mm-hmm. Ooh, marinated for Ooh. a while. Ooh, grilled. Oh, Take notes. We'll get on that in a minute. Um, but anyway, okay, so would you eat that? Resounding yes, yeah. I would say. Um, now, uh, where are they now? So I've looked up Hector. And he seems very happy. He he clearly has not taken on the mantle of, like, public figure in his Instagram. I think the past chefs that have left already... Oh, I didn't look up Jesse, I realize. Okay, leftovers for next time. I'm going to look up Jesse. Yep. Got a lot of leftovers next time, so get excited. Um, so, uh, Hector appears to live in Puerto Rico. He is the executive chef at El Superpan, a Latino kitchen and bar. And that's kind of all we've got on him. That's awesome. Um, he seems happy, lives in the sun, on the beach, and he seems to go to like a lot of food events, mm-hmm. uh, but is not necessarily hosting them. He's more just enjoying them. And good for him. Good for him, dude. Good for him. Um, <clears throat> so let's finish this out with judges table. You ready? Do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? I'll, I got it. I'm going to go okay. first. Uh, Bits, your time starts now. All right, my judges table this week is the decor. <gasps> That's of, my judges table. Yes, yes. <laughs> early two thousand. Okay, we get two minutes. Go restaurants. Oh my god. What were they thinking? The deep purples. They're the the swirls. Everything has to have the swirls. high back chairs. Yes, it's the like upholstered high back yes. chairs. The swirls, the silver, the carpeting. Dark. Restaurants that have carpeting, if I'm not spending $1,000 for my meal, I don't want my restaurant to have carpeting. It's so disgusting to me. And it's like patterned carpet. Yeah, it was, it's just incredible because they're praising this chef of the century, king of French cuisine, refinement, class, sophistication, and that's what his fucking restaurant looks like. (laughs) It looks like Lisa Vanderpump, but like bad. I know you don't watch Vanderpump Rules, but it was atrocious. Gaudy. It just, everything is overstuffed, overwrought. Like the opposite of French food. Yes. I don't know. It just, it's it's so expensive. Yeah, it's certainly like, it's the hotel restaurant aspect, plus it's a Vegas hotel restaurant Plus, it's like a an expensive Vegas hotel restaurant. Like, I don't... They just, like... It's so offensive. Honestly, even the kitchen with the, like, Beetlejuice aesthetic oh, yes, of the tiles. Yes, Oh, my God. I'm so glad that we I came up with that. I actually think it makes the food taste worse. Yes. Like, it's just cheesy. Yeah. It truly, like... The two do not fit together. Oh, my and God. To know, quote Harvey Weinstein's Project Runway, the styling matters. <laughs> I just also know that that's a plate or that's a restaurant you go to eat and you get cold. Like after you eat, you're freezing. You're like, I got to get out of here. Like that is not a place you linger. No, that's absolutely cannot go without being just dunked on. Well, anti-compliments to the decor, but another great episode in the books. Thank you all for joining us. Stick around for episode five next time on... Compliments to the pod. (laughs) (laughs) Or on 
Compliments to the chef. Yeah. <laughs> oh my oh god. Oh my god. Goodbye. Bye.